So this morning we are going to continue to walk through the gospel according to Mark. Uh, last week we've talked about the importance of following Jesus. Jesus gives that call, follow me. But also we talked about being with him. It's, a, it's amazing sometimes we skip over that. Jesus says, follow me first and then I'll make you become fishers of men. Or he tells his disciples later down in Mark, he said, man, I've called you to be with me. And then I'll send you out. So we want to spend time with God, being able to to spend time with Him, being in His Word, uh, spending time in prayer. And we've been talking about the the importance of opening up the Gospels in the New Testament. Help me out, church. You got the four Gospels ready? Matthew. And yeah, you guys are good, man. So so we're walking through the book of Mark and just seeing and reading and experiencing the life and ministry of Jesus. There's a Christian late Christian author named Dallas Willard, he once said this about spending time in the Gospels, in the, in the Bible. He says that we are to soak our souls in the Gospel. So we get to dive into this amazing Gospel in Mark and look at Jesus' life, His ministry, His love for us, right? His, his mission, His call on our life. And today, we get to spend some time looking at His authority. Jesus has authority. When we think about the word authority, our minds tend to go in different directions depending on your experience, right? I say the word authority and you're going to be thinking about things. You You might have had great experiences with somebody in authority, right? People that have had or do have authority in your life. Maybe there was a, a parent, a boss, a pastor, a teacher, or, or anybody else that set a really good example of what it was like to be a good authority figure. Or maybe you don't have a good experience with that. In fact, you would say, man, I'd rather not talk about it. I've got a bad experience with, with authority. Maybe, some, maybe someone in your life that abused that responsibility in that place in your life. And so when you hear the word authority, it's like a trigger, right? Bad memories come up. Your defenses go up. And so we all have different experiences with that. Maybe, maybe you're like me and you've had some, some good experiences with authority and some not so good experiences with authority. And so when I hear that word authority, my mind runs to, man, who, who has that role in my life or in, in other people's lives? We think about, uh, most people would say you, would, you, would, you think of a police officer, maybe an elected official, a teacher growing up, a boss, a parent. I clearly think about my parents, my mom and dad, they had authority in my life and they would make authoritative statements like this, mom, why do I have to do this? Because I said so, right? That's not helpful to your children, by the way, but we say it too, don't we? Because I said so, that's why you do it. So they were authority and in our lives, we tend to want to have to have authority, don't we? We want to have authority in one way or another. And if we aren't in charge, man, we want to know who is. We want to know everything about them. Are they trustworthy? Is this person qualified to be in authority? When I was, when I was preparing and studying the sermon and thinking about authority, men, maybe you guys can relate to me, maybe some women, uh, you'll get what I mean by that, but I feel pretty powerful and full of authority when I have a tool in my hand called the remote control, Right? Amen, men? Are you with me? Okay. Right? You don't want to say it in front of your wives. I get it. Okay. But from my chair, I have power, right, and authority to turn the power on to the TV or to the sound system or a gaming system or DVD or Blu-ray player or computer or whatever it is. When I have that remote, I'm telling you guys, I'm the man, right? When you have that remote, guys, are you with me? 
Ladies, you're like, no, I get the room. You're the le- you're the woman, you know. Like you're in, you have authority. I'm in charge of that show or movie we're watching, man. I'm in charge of how loud it is. I can pause that thing or I can shut it off if it's no good until my wife turns it back on, right? The volume control hasn't worked on my kids yet. I think anybody working on that? You know, do that. Tried it. But with the remote, I mean, just think about that. With that remote, man, I feel complete authority in my very limited (laughs) sphere. But I I want us to know this morning that when it comes to authority, church, when it comes to authority, we can trust Jesus. I've, I've, I've talked with plenty of people that struggle with authority And so therefore, because there was somebody in their life that maybe abused that role in their life, they struggle with God, they struggle with Jesus, they struggle with the Word of God. Last week, we heard the words from Jesus himself. He says this, he says, the time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand, so repent and believe in the gospel. And then in verse 17, he says, and Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men that's a that's a statement that somebody with authority can make just want to help you guys out when it comes to authentic life church we unapologetically believe and live out underneath the ultimate authority of jesus and we believe that we must follow him the bible tells us in colossians 2 some big statements about jesus he is the head over all rule and authority so you think about who has authority over your life guess who has authority over them right? Jesus is the man, right? John chapter 3, Jesus tells us himself, he says, he who comes from above is above all. And we also believe in the complete authority of God's word. The Bible that we hold in our hands is absolute truth. God's, God's word, the Bible is absolutely true for all people, all places, and all times. I know that goes contrary to what we hear today. Hey, get with the times, Pastor Jeff. I'm going I'm to stick with the Bible. You get what I'm saying? Like it's, it's true. It's complete authority and it's true for all people, all places, and all times. The Bible, church, the Bible tells us it's God-breathed. And with God as the authority of our lives, Jesus as the authority of life, His Word, it gives us parameters on how we live our life. But I think, you know, if, if the Bible fits with how we want to live our life, then we're like, yeah, the Bible's got authority, right? But as soon as it doesn't line up, I didn't read that part. I don't really like your interpretation of that, right? But it sets the parameters. The Word of God has always been and always will be there to guide, protect, provide with truth, love, and authority. The Word of God, Jesus, God, that whole picture has authority in our life. We like to say here at church, by the grace of God, we will remain faithful to the Word of God. No matter what our culture is doing around us, no matter what truth changes, right, we're going to remain faithful to God's Word. Because church, when the Bible speaks, here's a reality that we need to hear this morning. When the Bible speaks, when His Word speaks, God speaks, church. Jesus speaks. And there's nothing but truth in God. So therefore, we follow what the Word of God says. We have authority. And when we approach our text today, we can know that we can trust in the authority of Jesus. Because Jesus is God. Which means we can trust in His Word. John 1, 1 tells us this. In the beginning was the Word. The Word is Jesus here. In the beginning was the Word, in the beginning was Jesus, and the Word was with God, and the Word was what, church? The Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. God wasn't created at any point. He always has been and always will be. 
He's always God. Jesus is always God. And so as we come to our text today, when we hear the truth from God's word, when we hear God speak to us this morning, we can know that Jesus has authority because he's God and he's good. He's good. So even though we may have had some not so good authority in our life, we can trust in the authority of Jesus and his word and God's word. So let's stand together. If you guys would join me, church, we're going to read Mark chapter 1, beginning in verse 21. There's Bibles in your, in your rows if you guys don't have one. And if, if you don't have a Bible uh, or you want an extra one, just take that with you. That's our gift to you. But we're going to read God's word together. We're going to read God's word together. Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 21. They went, so here really leading up to this, let me give you this real quick, leading up to this, Jesus has called Simon, Andrew, James, and John to follow him. He said, follow me and I'll make you become fishers of men, and now we come to this point. They went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and began to teach. They were amazed at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Just then there was a man in the synagogue with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, what business do we have with each other, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. Throwing him into convulsions, the unclean spirit cried out with a loud voice and came out of him. Verse 27, They, all the people that were around, they were all amazed, so they debated amongst themselves, saying, What is this? A new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. Immediately the news about him spread everywhere into the surrounding district of Galilee. And immediately after they came out of the synagogue, they came into the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law was lying sick with a fever. And immediately they spoke to Jesus about her, and he came to her and raised her up, taking her by the hand, and the fever left her, and she waited on them. When evening came, after the sun had set, they began bringing to him all who were ill and those who were demon-possessed, and the whole city had gathered at the door, and he healed many who were ill with various diseases and cast out many demons, and he was not permitting the demons to speak because they knew who he was. Let's pray, church. God, as we open up and, and hear the word of God this morning, we pray, God, that we would, that we would hear it clearly. That word authority can be a, a tough word to hear sometimes because of bad experiences, but God, we know that you are good. And so, God, we pray, Lord, that, that we would listen to that, that we would let you teach us as our authority and let the word of God teach us as the authority in our lives. So we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Leading up to this point, Matthew chapter 1 all the way up until verse 20, a lot has happened in those 20 verses. And it all leads up to this point where we see the ultimate authority in Jesus. Mark begins at the very beginning of the gospel. He talks about the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He opens up with that. So he's saying this, the promised Messiah, right? He is God. He's come to be the Savior. It's Jesus. He's here. Pay attention to what I have to tell you because it's good news, right? The gospel, it means good news. Then John the Baptist, we see him in there just a couple verses later. And he begins to proclaim that Jesus' ministry is about to begin. And he calls on people. He says, repent and confess your sins. Right? He's preparing them for, he's preparing the way for Jesus and his ministry and his authority. And then we see Jesus get baptized and we walked through that a few weeks ago and we see God the Father speak and the Holy Spirit come down to, and, and to be a part of that moment and they're affirming Jesus and what he's about to do. 
And then Jesus heads out and he shows his authority when tempted by Satan. He, he walks away winning that battle, so he's authoritative there. And now he's beginning his ministry. He's called his followers, and now he's beginning his ministry telling people the kingdom of God is at hand. Really what he's saying, there's a new king in town. There's a new authority. You need to repent. Turn from your sins and turn to me. Jesus is saying, believe in who I am and trust in the gospel, the good news that I bring. Because it is the good news that you need. Right? It's the good news of salvation and forgiveness and a new life. You're, you're in a mess. You're in a bad place. There's bad news in your life. I bring the ultimate good news. And it's, and it's funny because if you look at this, who's able to do these things unless you have authority? Right? You better be, you, be, you better be the man if you're going to require someone to, to, to not only stop what they're doing, but then turn and follow you. And Jesus doesn't just come up and say, hey, I need you to stop what you're doing, and you do it. Like, no, he says, stop what you're doing, and then come and do something different. Right? Jesus has that authority, that ultimate authority, even over the rulers and authorities in our lives. And we look at verse 21. So we're going to walk through this. It's a longer passage, but we're going to walk through this and see what we can learn about Jesus and his authority. In verse 21, we see Jesus do this. They went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and began to teach. They, those that were there, they were amazed at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one having authority and not as the scribes. So Jesus, he enters into the synagogue, and he begins to teach. At this time, they had a temple, but there's only one temple, right? But they had synagogues, and these synagogues would, would, would be established wherever there were 10 or more Jewish men. That's how it had to be. If you were 13 or older, you counted as a man. I know it doesn't really work that way today, right? But if you were 13 or older, and you, so you're, you're considered a Jewish man, and if there's at least 10 of you in that area, then you would have a synagogue. And they would go to the synagogue for worship. For education, to learn, to be taught, right? And to gather together as a, as a community. And so the people were, were used to hearing someone stand up and read to them and teach to them from the Old Testament, from the Torah, the law. And it would be common for someone known as a scribe to stop in as they were traveling and teach. They would come in and they would, they would come up and, and they, would, they would teach. They would explain things to the people that were there. So it wasn't odd that Jesus kind of comes in and teaches. It wasn't, it wasn't odd at all. That would, have been, that would have been okay. When we think about the scribes, the scribes were, were well-educated in the Torah. They were well-educated in the, in the law. Many of them, if not all of them, had the first five books memorized, the Pentateuch, right? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. They would have those memorized. We have a hard time memorizing one verse. They had the whole thing memorized, right? When, when I was in seminary, one of my professors had an assignment for us that we had to write out word for word Deuteronomy. Woo! That was no fun, but you learn a lot, right? And you, you start to memorize when you do things that way. So these guys were, they were intelligent men. They were experts in the law. But we read here something that says that they were amazed, the people that were gathered and listening, they were amazed that Jesus is teaching, for he was teaching them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Well, wait a minute, I thought they were well-educated. I thought they were, they were, he's not talking down on them. He see, the, the, as well-educated as these men were, much of their understanding and their um, interpretation of what they were teaching was passed down to them, right, from other scribes that had passed down to them. So they knew the law well, the scribes had, had it memorized, but their understanding and their interpretation was passed down by other men, other scribes. They would rely on others' uh, prior teaching. Does that make sense? Are you with me? 
And so Jesus comes in and he begins to teach as one who has authority. He's not pulling up, he's not pulling out his iPhone and pulling up a commentary, right? He's not, they didn't have, I, okay, all right. Some of you guys looked at me like I was crazy. Right, they, he didn't pull up a commentary. He didn't pull up and say, man, what does this person say about this passage? He spoke, listen to me here, church. He spoke as though the words came from him. Right, Jesus began to teach as though he was the authority behind what he was teaching. There's a difference, isn't there? Like if you go, if you have a babysitter at your house and the parents say, hey, babysitter, do this and this and this, and that babysitter tells the kids, you don't have quite the same authority, right? That babysitter doesn't quite have the same authority. But with the parents, they have that, they have an authority. The, the words come from, from you. In Matthew chapter 5, we have a great example of what this would look like with this authority. You guys familiar with the Sermon on the Mount? Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, Right? The Sermon on the Mountain. Jesus is preaching and teaching, and we see this authority. Throughout the sermon, we're going to see Jesus make statements like this. He'll say it a few different times. He'll say, you have heard it was said, right? And then he'll follow it up with, but I say to you. Let me give you an example. Matthew chapter 5, 27 and 28. I think it's up here. You have heard that it, that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. Right? Jesus says, you have heard it said that you shall not commit adultery. I think we could agree with that, right? Let's, let's stay within the confines of marriage. Let's, let's, let's honor God in the area of sex and in our marriage and stuff like that. So you've heard it say that you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. He's teaching with authority. The scribes and teachers had had laid out for them their interpretation behind not committing adultery. So their opinions and their understanding and what they were able to to interpret from that. But Jesus comes along and says, you've heard that, and I get that. Yeah, let's be faithful in our marriage. Let's not have adultery. But let me tell you how deep that really goes. Let Let me teach you the depth of what that really means. And so he's teaching with authority. And then we even come to a familiar passage in the very end of his whole teaching. When Jesus had finished these words, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one having authority and not as the scribes. He's teaching with authority, church. There was power and there was absolute truth behind his words because of who Jesus is. When Jesus speaks, God speaks. There's authority. And, and church, I, I think this is huge for us as a, as a church, as a whole, and as followers of Christ. We can rest assured in God's word. Culture is going to change around us, amen? But we can hold tight to the truth that we have in the Bible. So I'm going to lay this out for you. I, as your pastor, and we at Authentic Life Church, we are dedicated and committed to faithfully teaching God's word. We're going to do that from behind the pulpit. We're going to do that in kids' life. We're going to do that in the student ministry and life group. We are committed to teaching God's word. If there's a debate, if there's a question, if there's an issue, our job is to to look at whatever it is through the lens of God and the gospel and the the word of God. Are you with me? We don't don't just say, well, I think this. No, what does God's word say? And that's, that's our job as believers, to look at an issue in life and look at it through the lens that God and his word has as ultimate authority. Sometimes we treat the Word of God, even some of us sitting in the room, it probably, me, I mean, we've, we've all done it, I'm sure of it, where we treat God's Word as a suggestion. Well, but God doesn't really know what I'm going through. Well, God doesn't, He's not really, He, he wasn't at this time, you know, this is 2018, Jesus, are you sure you knew? Right? 
But it's not about when we preach, when we teach, it's not about my opinion or the church's opinion or any other teacher's. If you go to our, on our website, if you look in our membership, you go to our membership class, we don't just sit there and say, here's our view on marriage and here's why Jeff thinks it's that way. No, we list out God's word. We list out the authority of where that comes. Are you with me? It's not what is, here's the thing, church. It's not about my opinion or any other teacher's opinion. It's not about what is currently politically correct. It's not what a hot topic position is. It's what does God's word say? It's about what does the Bible say? Because the Bible is God-breathed and God is truth and he has authority in our life. And we can have confidence in that because God's word is always true and never changing. Think about it, church. In our world, one day a word will mean something and the next day that word will mean something entirely different. You can think of some of those words in your head right now. It's like, yeah, I remember when it used to mean this and now it means this. And even in the church, we seem to be okay with that. People will say, get with the times, right? You got to change. I'm just, I'm just going to be honest with you. As a church, we should, as, as followers of Christ, we should say, forget that, right? Because social acceptance or rejection of a certain issue does not change absolute truth. I don't care what the world says, church. The Bible tells us there is such thing as absolute truth, and it's found in the word of God. Amen? God's word never changes. The words of Jesus, the teaching we get from God's word is transforming and life-changing. It is always true, regardless of who's in office, regardless of what the media is telling us, regardless about what we think, God's word is always true. So let's be in the word. Let's read the words of Jesus. Let his life and the Bible teach us and change us. And so when we look at what Jesus is doing here, when Jesus was teaching, he's teaching with authority, as if those words came from him. And this is he did it in such a way the scribes were not able to do. The people that heard so many scribes teach before, we hear that this, it says this, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. These guys have heard some good teachers. And they were amazed at Jesus' teaching. He had the authority to teach and the authority to demand a response. Let me just encourage you on something this morning. We're going to lay out some things later today in, in the sermon. God's word demands a response from us, church. It's not something we just open up and say, hey, we checked it off the list, right? We did, we did our good deed today. I, I was going to pick up the trailer for the church, and, and, a, and a gal scared the, whew. I mean, she just scared me, walked right up and just started talking to me. I didn't even know she was there. And, and she, she said, where are you? She, I helped her with her trailer. She goes, where are you going? I said, we're going to church. You're pulling this to go to church. And she goes, well, I guess you've done your, done your good deed for the day. You can go home, right? Man, reading the Bible is not a good deed. That's how we grow, Right? That's how we live. We've got to be in the Word. They were amazed. Are we amazed at Jesus' teaching? So when we look at Jesus and His authority, if you want to take notes on the back, you've got some spots to take notes on the back of your bulletin, but Jesus has authority in His words. That's the first thing we look at. Jesus has authority in His words, right? When He speaks, we listen, right? We listen and we obey. And then we come to verse 23. Jesus has authority in his actions and his commands. Now this is good stuff here. We read this. Just then, there was a man in the synagogue with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, verse 24, saying, What business do you... This demon is talking to to Jesus. What business do we have with each other, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Mark writes of the unclean spirit. He's talking about demonic, church. 
right? This man is demon-possessed. And we, and we need to know this. All around us, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, there is a spiritual battle all around us. If you don't believe that, you don't believe in God's word. I'm just laying it out there for you because Scripture lays that out there for you. There's a spiritual battle. And what we know from Revelation chapter 12, that Satan was formerly known as, as Lucifer. Man, the guy had, he was, he was an angel. He was a beautiful angel. He was a powerful angel. And he decided that one day he was going to be the man. He wants the authority over God. He wanted to be above God. And so we saw how that worked out for him, right? He was kicked out of heaven. But here's the sad part. Not, not just Satan, but a third of the, the angels. A third of the angels followed him. I just don't get how you can be in the presence of God and not want him to be over. You get what I'm saying, man? But a third, about a third of the angels, they, they, so we call them fallen angels or demons. And they chose to follow the leadership of Satan. And they, together, as, as a team, really as an army, if you look at uh, Ephesians chapter 6, kind of describes them as an army, they oppose, listen here, they oppose everything that God does. They oppose everything that God stands for and everything that is of God. And we're reminded in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, so if we ever have this idea, well, I don't know, that might have just been in their time. The Bible is still true today, and it says this, be sober-minded, be alert, your adversary, which means opponent and your enemy. The devil is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for anyone he can devour. We look at Ephesians chapter 6, we're told to put on the full armor of God so that you'll be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. And by the way, just so you know, the Bible doesn't say, okay, now, that, now you can take it off because he's done messing with you. The Bible never tells us to take off the armor of God. It's to keep on because those schemes are going to be coming after us. And then we look at Ephesians chapter 6 and it describes the, the Satan's army, the demonic. But Jesus came to be the savior of the world. He came to be Emmanuel, God with us. He came to die for our sins and rise again. And he did those things. He accomplished all those things. Amen, church? Let's get excited about that. But he also came to defeat Satan. He came to defeat Satan. And, and Satan and, and the demons were there and are still present today to destroy the work of Jesus. They haven't given up, right? When, when we are... Doing what Jesus has called us to do, what does Satan try to do? He tries to mess that up. When we are living in a marriage or a family or a situation that is honoring to God, what does Satan try to do? He tries to destroy it. Right? When we as a church, when we're growing, right, and we're seeing people get saved and give their life to Jesus and people getting baptized, when we are united, right, and not divided and we're after growing in our walk with Jesus and we're out telling people about Jesus, when Jesus is at work through us, Satan tries to derail all of that. Let me give you a strong encouragement, church. Be on guard for that. Man, God is doing some amazing things at, the, at, at Authentic Life and, and, and through us and in our lives and as a church. Man, let's be on guard so we're, we pay attention to those. Are you with me? Are you with me? All right. Satan tries to derail that. And we see here in this passage there's a man that's possessed. And it says, just then there was a man in the synagogue with an unclean spirit. Now, I want to lay this out for you because um, I've had people ask this before. Well, wait a minute. Can I be possessed? Can I have an unclean spirit within me? So let's just lay that out. If you know Jesus Christ, if you are saved, if the Holy Spirit is residing within you, you cannot be possessed. Let's be clear about that. The Bible tells us that, that we are protected. We have the Holy Spirit living with us. Listen to this truth. I love this. First Peter, or First John 4, 4 says, Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. There's not like this battle, it's like, you know, you got Jesus hanging out over here and Satan over here and they're kind of, hey man, what's up, you know, who's going to be in charge today, that's not how it works. Man, if you know Jesus, then, then the Holy Spirit was within you, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. But here's what that does, here, here, here's, 
This doesn't mean that we can't be oppressed. This doesn't mean that he can't mess with us. This doesn't mean that he can't speak lies into our life and, 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 and want to, to tempt us. We've got to be alert that Satan is at work. He's at work to trying to derail you and me against the work of Jesus. And it's not about you. It's because he hates Jesus and what he stands for. Tempting us with sin, speaking lies into our life, doing whatever he can to ruin the name and work of Jesus. But for us, there's no need to fear, no need to be paranoid. Church, let's not run and look behind every rock for a devil. Right? Let's not do that. That's not healthy. Right? And we don't have to do that because Jesus has the authority even over darkness. He has authority over Satan and over the demonic. And I think it's important to notice this. This, this demon, this unclean spirit is a man that is in the synagogue. The Bible talks about a wolf in sheep clothing. No doubt trying to destroy the work of God. We've got to be aware of that. And this demon, he identifies Christ and he says, what business do we have with each other, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Even the darkest, even Satan knows the power and the authority of Jesus Christ, church. And we see that authority in verse 25. This, it gets good. Here's what Jesus does. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, be quiet and come out of him, throwing him into convulsions. The unclean spirit cried out with a loud voice and came out of him. I mean, I just love this. We, we've got to be aware, right, that Satan's there and, and be aware of the tactics. But there's no need to fear because Jesus has that authority. Right? James 4, 7, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Our obsession doesn't need to be on Satan. Our obsession doesn't need to be on demonic. Our obsession doesn't need to be with darkness. Our obsession needs to be with Jesus Christ, church. Man, we get too caught up in that junk, man. Our obsession needs to be in what Jesus is doing. Our obsession needs to be in what are we doing with Jesus. Are we allowing him to live through us? Are you with me? And Jesus says the words and the demons obey immediately. He says, be quiet and come out. And, and the, words, the words be quiet, they really mean to be muzzled. So I'm going to get in trouble for this because we're not allowed to say this in our home. But Jesus is really saying, shut up. I mean, think about that. The creator of all things, shut up. Right? Be muzzled, dude. Shut your mouth. And Mark tells us in verse 27 about those that heard his teaching and saw what Jesus did. That's a big deal, church. They were all amazed, so they debated against themse- uh, amongst themselves, saying, What is this, a new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. They were amazed. They had never seen anything like this, and never had they heard teaching like his. And this is one reason, church, why we gather. We don't gather to see how many cheeks we can get in the seats. That's not the goal, Right? One of the reasons we gather together as a church family and make it a priority to come on Sunday mornings is to make much of Jesus. Because we are to be amazed at Jesus. We are to be amazed at his life, at his teaching, at his power, at his authority, right? We're to be amazed that he even loves us. And he sacrificed his life for us. They were amazed, church. When's the last time that you were amazed at Jesus? And couldn't wait to get here to sing to him. Verse 28. Immediately the news about him spread everywhere into all the surrounding district of Galilee. People were hearing about Jesus and his gospel. Jesus has authority in his words, church. And he has authority in his actions and commands. And then we see this. Jesus has authority over sickness. Or health. Or disease. 
Verse 29, and immediately after they came out of the synagogues, they came into the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law was lying with, uh, sick with a fever, and immediately they spoke to Jesus about her. Jesus had been teaching, right? He taught with power and authority publicly. He displayed publicly his power and authority over darkness. And now he comes away with Simon, Andrew, James, and John to Simon Peter's house. Just so you know who this is, Simon Peter is it's Peter. Right, Simon, when you see the name Simon, it's Peter. So they're at his home. They're going there to have a meal. Jesus just spoke. I don't know if you guys have ever preached before or got up here, man. You, I'm wiped, man, when I'm done preaching. I got to imagine. And then, not only that, but Jesus, like, kicks a demon's butt. Are you with me? Like, he is, he's doing the thing. He's going to go home and have a meal. He's ready to sit down, right, and pop up the lazy. Not really, but you get what I'm saying? And, and then so they, they, he's coming to this home. And just so you guys know, this, this home is going to be a, a base for a base of operations for Jesus' ministry in that area. And so they come in, the, the, the four, they come in and they find Peter's mother-in-law with an illness. Now the focus isn't on the illness, it's on the healer, but, so we don't know the specific illness, but Luke tells us, Luke was a physician, he tells us it was a high fever. And we can kind of get the sense of urgency about what this sickness might be from Mark when he writes that they immediately went to Jesus. So it's probably not just a little thing. Are you with me? It wasn't a little thing. And then in verse 31, and Jesus, he came to her and raised her up, taking her by the hand. And the fever left her, and she waited on them. So Jesus had done two very powerful public things, showing authority. And now we see him showing authority, but I like this. He's doing it with compassion and a personal touch. A personal touch from Jesus. And she was healed. It wasn't a, hey, take two of these and call me in the morning type thing, right? It wasn't, uh, she's going to be on bed rest for a few days, right? He healed her immediately. And she got up to serve. She was ready to go, right? When you get over sickness, you're not ready to go, are you? You're like, I'm going to chill out here for a little bit. I'm going I'm to rest. And Jesus has that authority over sickness and disease, and she's just ready to go. So he has the authority in his words. He has authority in his actions and commands, and he has the authority to heal. And word gets out, remember the people were amazed, and news was, was spreading about him, so, so now we're going to see a gathering. But I think, church, maybe, maybe we need a little bit of that in our life. A little bit of amazement about Jesus. Right? Who he is and, and what he's done. Verse 32, when evening came after the sun had set, they, they began bringing, the community, the city, began bringing to him all who were ill and those who were demon-possessed. And the whole city had gathered at the door, and he, Jesus, healed many who were ill with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he was not permitting the demons to speak because they knew who he was. This right here, this is the Jesus that we get to call Lord. Right? This is the Jesus that calls us to follow him. This is the Jesus that we are to obey because he has ultimate authority. For us in our lives, we, sin, we, we, we seem to run to everyone and everything but Jesus. When we need to learn and grow or understand something. But, but church, Jesus, in truth, he's the authority. But we go to him last sometimes. Like, I'm with you on that. You guys with me? Like, sometimes we do that. He has, he has the ultimate authority. He's, he's all truth. Right? Jesus is about authority and truth. It's not about what popular belief is. It's not what's socially acceptable. It's not even what Dr. Phil thinks, church. Right? I mean, it has not, Jesus is the authority. He's the truth. And if there's any teaching that goes contrary to the word of God, it's a lie from hell. It just is. 
And we need to approach it at that. When, when we are dealing with something in life, we need to run to Jesus with it. He is our go-to. The Word of God is our go-to. Man, I always, I had a boss when I was younger that said to, to, to some of his employees, I'm sure I wasn't in that category, but he would say, why is it that you always have time, you never have time to do it right the first time, but you always have time to do it twice? Right? We spend so much time doing things the wrong way and going to the wrong person in the wrong place instead of going to Jesus the first place. It's our, God in, in the word of God is our guide, our truth, our path. It's what is right. Right? We're going to have disagreements in, 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 in some of the way we do things and, and stuff, but the word of God is, is what holds us together. It's the authority that we run to and trust in. Is your life, is your heart in the word of God? Are you being fed? Are you hearing from Jesus? He has the authority in his words and his actions and commands and, and he heals. The Bible tells us from Philippians 2, 10 through 11, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those who are in the heavens and on earth and under the earth and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus has the ultimate authority over all things, right? In his actions, his commands, his words, even the demons understand that. Right? Even the demons get this. They, are, they too are obedient when Jesus speaks. And if they know and understand that, why don't we? Right? Jesus is the real deal. And last, Jesus has the authority over illness. And as we see here with the mother-in-law and people in the community, he has the power to heal immediately. Does God always heal us immediately? No. But he can. Amen? I've seen that, man. I've seen God do miraculous things in, in, in healing and and. And he does that. He, he did and he still does it. And we're not going to put God in a box, man. He, he still can heal immediately. But when we think about the ultimate healing of Jesus, think about this. When, it comes, when we come in touch with the Savior, when we come to know Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we are healed for eternity. When we believe in him, we have that forever healing. I just want you to listen to these words. Just let this soak in. This is from Revelation chapter 21, verses 4 through 5. Just let this soak in. Talking about Jesus. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, right, for these words are faithful and true. Let's do this again, right? He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain, right? I'm making all things new. For those that follow Jesus, for those that call upon him and call upon his name to be saved, for those that trust in Jesus and his gospel for salvation, our healing church is eternal and permanent. Amen. Right? We have that blessed hope and assurance in Jesus Christ that one day we're going to see his face and we're just going to know that we are healed forever. We're going to live with him for eternity. Are you with me, church? Man, this life is tough. Right? Lots of sorrow, lots of pain, lots of junk. But one day, Jesus will make it all new. I want to close with this. Many times we sit underneath, I do this, you sit underneath a teaching, you sit under, behind a, uh, you sit and listen to a message, and we can walk away and say, man, there's a lot of stuff. Way to go. That's good. Jesus has authority. But what do I do with that? What do I do with that? 
Jesus is the authority over all things. I get that. What do I do with that? Here's what we do, church. He's already in this role, but allow Jesus to be authority over all things in you. Are you guys hearing me on that one? Right? Man, when I, I wrote that out and I was like, oh man, I got some work to do. Right? Right? Allow Jesus to be authority over all things in you. Let him be your authority in your life. Let him be authority in your career. Let him be your authority in your parenting. Let him be authority in your retirement. Allow Jesus to be authority over your finances. Allow Jesus to be authority over your schedule. Allow Jesus to be over authority over your marriage and your sex life and your money and all this other stuff that we like cling to. And we're like, no, this is mine. It's personal. Jesus says it's not, right? I need authority over that. Allow Jesus to be authority over all things in you. Here's some closing questions. What is it that you are not allowing, to Je- allowing Jesus to be authority over? Right? What is it that you're not allowing? He's true, right? He's perfect. He's good. He, al- he already has that authority, but he wants you to trust him with it. He wants you to live it. What are you, what are we not allowing Jesus to be authority over? In our lives, in our church, what is it? When I think about Jesus being an authority, I think about worship. Many times when we think about worship, we think about our, our awesome worship team coming up here and, and doing music or, you know, cranking up a, a CD or, uh, for some of you, cassette tapes, maybe, I don't know. Uh, you get what I'm saying? Like, we just crank up worship music, right? And, and that's true. That's, that's, that's part of it. But let me, let's, let's listen to what the Bible says about true worship. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, or sisters, talking about people of the, the church, those that are saved, by the mercies of God, present your bodies, a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Church, He wants all of you. He wants all of your life, and He deserves it. And here's the, here's the reality. He demands it. One day, whether you do it now or not, one day every knee will, will, will bow. Right? Are you with me? What are we hanging on to that you need to trust him with. You may be here today and you might say, man, I haven't even taken that first step to follow Jesus. What are you talking about giving him my finances and my marriage and my work and all that other stuff? I haven't even, I haven't even said yes to follow Jesus. I haven't trusted him for my salvation. I don't know Jesus or maybe I know who he is, but I haven't asked him to save me. Let me here's the great thing. This is what we celebrate. He has the authority to save you. Right? In fact, the Bible tells us that Jesus and Him alone, right? It's only Him alone that can save you from your sins. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. We try, don't we? Like our society tries really hard to earn our way to God, but the Bible tells us that I'm the way, the truth, and the life. You can't get to heaven without Jesus. He is the authority to wipe away your sins. All that junk, that thing you're thinking about right now in your life, oh yeah, I did that. Jesus says, I got it. I'm big enough for that. I have the authority over all that. So if you've never given your life to Jesus, man, what are you waiting on? You've got a God that loves you, that died for you, that gave his life for you, that took your sin that you haven't even committed yet, and he's, and he's, and he's got it. He's, he bare all that on the cross. His, his body was broken. His blood was shed for you. And he rose again so we can have a new life in Christ. Man, give your life to Jesus. In your life, what do I need to do? What do I need to hand over to Jesus this morning and trust him with? pride, right? What is it? What are you hanging on to? 
Give it to Jesus because he's the ultimate authority that we can trust in and we must trust in him. So let today be that day that you can walk out of here saying, all to Jesus I surrender. Amen? All to Jesus. We sing that song really well. It's a really pretty song, right? But let's live it. Jesus, you have authority over me. Let's pray.